Welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Uh, Stephen, before we start anything, some quick housekeeping. <laughs> uh, we launched a Patreon last week um, and just wanted to extend our gratitude to everybody who backed that so quickly. Yeah, for real. Um, it's incredible how quickly that response happened. Um, yeah. If you listen to the show, you know how incapable Brendan and I are of like taking compliments or yeah. Uh, but like that's been my New Year's resolution for like three years is learn how to take a compliment. But I think anyone who sought to support the show past the point of just listening is incredible. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like it, it, it's only just further proof that we have the best audience ever. Really. We got the greatest fans in the we world. We got the greatest fans in the world. I hate, that's what I mean. Every every good <laughs> phrase is like stale and cliche. It's like we really appreciate the support. Like, mm-hmm. no, but I mean it. How do I express it? Yeah. What do I have to do with the show that I care? Yeah. We're very grateful. Very grateful. Leave it at yeah. that. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving okay. past that. Moving past that. It's worth mentioning that this episode probably sounds completely different. You can probably hear uh the the sounds of the nighttime. For example, maybe a little bit of wind. A little uh, bit of dusk. That's be- action. Yeah, that's because it's nighttime. We usually record in the daytime. And Stephen is here in New Jersey. I'm here. We just finished a really fun stream uh, that we'll probably talk about later. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll talk about it later. We just did a five-hour stream of The Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. It was the best. It was. We've great. been waiting a long time for that, and yeah. I'm glad it was worth it. Yeah, it because I was, was like, "There's a reality where we do this, and we're like, this is gonna be so funny, but like just to us, and no one would care." Right. Yeah. But I think a good time was had by all. I th- yeah, I think it worked out. Um, uh, you can find all that on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's all on our YouTube, which is available down in the show notes. You can find the link there. Yeah. yeah just to wrap up this like preliminary part of the episode mm-hmm. thank you everyone who donated and who will donate and yeah. who has donated all yes. tenses yeah it's amazing and it's it's going to incentivize us to do a lot of fun projects outside the show that we're really excited to share yeah so that's going to be like great. an elder scrolls stream in yeah. person or um doing more episodes like this in person uh yeah and also uh we're gonna start a newsletter next month which we'll also talk more about yeah going in but Quick thank you. Uh, quick, we're in the same room looking at each other. Yeah, it's in the eyes. In the eyes. Yeah. In the flesh. Yeah. Uh, playing Oblivion for five hours. So there's a little bit of a chaotic energy. There is around. definitely a chaotic energy yeah. currently. Uh, okay. And I can't wait to make it even more chaotic. Yeah. So, okay. And we're going to go into to the canonical real episode now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brendan, I usually ask like what we're going to talk about before the episode you know right yeah we have we have a little conversation about what we're going to talk about we we you know say okay we want to talk about this 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 i write it all down i say okay here's what we have what's the order we talk about it and we stack the episode and that's really it we don't really do a ton of planning other than just the order and hours of research (laughs) (laughs) we pour over the ancient time i'm like i don't know who did this but it's good anyway uh (laughs) yeah it's my best impression of myself uh it was great so it's so funny too because you always do so much to test the volume levels before we do, and I just end up screaming. Yeah, you just no yell. matter what. <laughs> You're like, what level are we gonna be talking about in most episodes? I'm like, oh, here it's probably good. Then I'm like, hey, Mister Mistopheles. So <clears throat> let's not even open that box of cats. No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
We're like, this is thin ice. We're in person. We're all goofed up from yeah. oblivion. Oh, God. It's nighttime. Yeah. We got to wake up. We got to do it in the, in the we hole. We are like a box of cats has been open. You and I are cats at 3 a.m. <laughs> sprinting around the house for no reason. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Before we start actually yes. making cats walking around your apartment like cats. Yeah. Brendan purposely left me in the dark about what you're talking about. You said, I have a surprise game and I can't tell you until we're recording. Yes. Now is the time. You're going to let me know. Yeah. So what's up? Oh my God. I'm so excited. I wanted this to be in person. I'm so fucking stoked. Just what a bullet we dodged with the cats thing. Yeah. I'm like, we moved past it. Yeah. I don't bring it up again, but like, you got to look backwards to step forwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're good. Yeah. I, I've been waiting for you to be here to talk about this game. I'm so excited to tell you, Steven, that I have been playing Final Fantasy VII. What? <laughs> Don't you fucking dare test the volume before you drop this. Oh, my God. Yeah. The original. Not a leaked version of the remake. No, 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 no. The original. Uh, on Switch? Yep, on Switch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tell me everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, uh, I... I Okay, this, yeah. now now everything's coming together. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I noticed <laughs> that on Switch, you I couldn't see your profile anymore. Uh -huh. I didn't see you online anymore. And yep. I'm like, and I do a show with Brendan. I know he's playing video games, but yeah. I, you know, wasn't sure why. <laughs> now I know. Yep. Keeping secrets from me. I was keeping secrets from you. I'm glad I even you did. before you got here, I went through my Switch and then opened up a bunch of different games. So so my home screen on my Switch wouldn't have Final Fantasy VII in it anymore. Yeah, because that's the first thing I'd be like, oh, follow. how do you like material? Follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Exactly. Another exactly question like of myself. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yes. Yeah, so oh my god. I uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII. I downloaded it kind of on a whim. I want to say like a week and a half ago. So recently. Yeah, kind of recently. Yeah. I was like I was like sick and in bed for a couple days, and I was like I really need something like that isn't Fire Emblem just for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. So I downloaded Final. I still get you screamed so loud. <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, no, no I, I get knew it. That I was get it. A big deal. Yeah, no, I did. That was the exact reaction I needed. <laughs> so I've been playing it a lot on the Switch. Um, I'm, I, th I think I want to say like five to six hours in at this point, and I've left Midgar. So to say. And yeah. I'm in the open world. Wow. At the moment, okay. uh, currently trying to catch a chocobo is where I'm at. Okay. Which is just fucking a fresh hell of an experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awful. You gotta buy the chocobo lore material from Choco Bill. I sure do have it. Okay. Um, but, but we, yeah, we can talk still, about that later. That is a nightmare. I don't blame yeah. you. I don't even know what to start talking about, but I, I'll say this much. I, I have tried playing a lot of Final Fantasy games before. I played 15 for like maybe two hours. Um, oh, and, I you played more than 15 of that. Just for two hours? Y yeah, I think. I don't know. Maybe it was more. I'm not really sure. I only bring that up because you're like... And this is probably a testament to how much you got into Final Fantasy because you're like, you got the most into 15 of all of them. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you played um, nine a little bit when we talked about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 15. I, I played 15. Let's just be clear. I played 15 at a very strange point in my life. So, like, gotcha. it's possible that I played a lot of it, but I definitely did not do the story at all. Gotcha. There's an open world game. There's, like, some weird Monster Hunter mechanics in there. You can go fishing. You can cook stuff. You just, like, drive around with your uh, with your boy band, yeah. you know, in, in your convertible. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in that game that's, yeah. that's interesting. So, I think. Ironically, I have not played. Yeah. You yeah. should try it. I, I should like definitely it. try it. I think yeah. I, sh I, think I would enjoy it. You should probably get the Switch version. The pocket one? Yeah. That'd be fun. It's closer to like a 7 or 9 experience. Yeah, maybe. That'd um, be fun to talk about. But anyway. I would actually be very open to trying that. If you wanted to do it, I would also do it. Let's take some risks. Yeah. 
Let's anyway. get in the car. Yeah, so I, I played that one a bunch. Played nine a little bit. You yeah. and I talked about it. The one I, I think I played about three hours of ten. Um, and, and then my save file got deleted. Uh, so so that went away. Seven, I was very nervous about when I started it because I was right. like, if I play this game, and I don't like it. I'm, how do you tell me? How that? do I tell yeah. you about well, it? Well, and, yeah. and and to to be completely candid, like I've talked about seven a lot on the show. Like we had an episode about it. Yeah, uh, Game Over Dad Rock is all about it. Yeah, I very very. I, I played that game, I've said this a million times, but I played the game like at a very formative age. Literally, yeah. I think I was seven or eight. Yeah. Or maybe nine. Right. And like, that's the game that introduced me to RPGs, yeah. to like so many genres. It's the game that kind of opened my mind to video games being something else. I think that was, that's why that game is so beloved because it was that to a lot of people. Yeah. And it kind of was a huge, I mean, not kind of, was a, it was a huge gateway for a lot of people to get into RPGs. Mm-hmm. And I know that certain things about it haven't aged super well graphically. Or gameplay wise, yep. uh, so I was always curious. Like, and we've even talked about this in the theory episode. Where you're like, you were really excited for, you are excited for the remake because yep. you're like, I want to experience what everyone else experienced back in the day. Yeah, but now you actually have. Yeah, now I actually am. Feed me, tell me everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I was, I was really kind of concerned starting the game. You know, you, you hop off the train. There's like the the first like cutscene that happens. It's just like you zoom into Midgar. I think I think Eris is like picking a flower somewhere. Yeah. She's like standing in front of a shop that uh, says Loveless on it. And I was like, okay, you That's got it. me already. I mean, I knew you like that because that is a direct reference to My Bloody Valentine. Is it actually? Yeah. So the That's developers awesome. apparently were listening to the album Loveless a lot during development. Fuck yeah. So that that play, it's I think it's a play in the city of Midgar is a direct nod to that. Oh my god, amazing. Um, okay, great. Yeah. I'm just so glad to hear I that. Knew I was like that was my like lore for Brendan. Yeah, yeah. If I could bring up the subgenre of shoegaze, I can get Brendan <laughs> to play this. Yeah, so there's that cutscene that plays, and then the train pulls up, and then Cloud jumps off. And the first thing I was struck by was like, man, these backgrounds are like they're pretty sometimes, but like looking kind of rough right now. Yeah, Cloud's like polygonal ass model like does not blend in with them at all. Um, the switch port in general, I think like there's even more of a Contrast. of an imbalance between yeah. the two, um, which kind of makes it even harsher than it already was. But I started running. I was like, I'm going to give this like a fair shot. I was like, I'm going to play this at least like an hour. You know, like right now I'm just going to sit down and play for an hour straight and just like see how I feel by the end of it. And I think I played like two and a half hours in that sitting and was like, I think I'm starting to like this a whole bunch. Um, Good. And I <laughs> and I've been trying to think about why. I've been trying to like mull over why. Yeah. Because there are so many things that get in the way. Sure. I think for me, oh, um, yeah. there, there are so many. There are so many things that I in other games would not be enjoying. Uh, right. So like for example, some of the backgrounds are so rough that it's hard to tell where you're supposed to be running and like moving around. Mm-hmm. Luckily, and this is one of the things I'll probably bring up a lot, they made a lot of quality of life improvements in the Switch version. So you can press the minus button on the Switch and it'll show you with a little tiny arrow all the places you can move. Oh, dude, that was in the PlayStation version. That's oh, was an it? original feature. Oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Okay. That's weird that they knew that that was a problem then and they just like, <laughs> were like, ah, shit, 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 what do we do? What do we yeah, do? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. We didn't do anything with yeah, the select you button. Uh, a green arrow for ladders and a red arrow for doors. Okay, great, yeah. cool. Well, that's a great button. I'm it's glad it button. exists. Yeah, it, it gives you a little arrow pointing over a cloud. Yeah, uh, which is great, or whoever you're playing as in in that moment. So that so that I was very happy with that. Um, also, if you press the left stick down, it it uh, turns the game into 3x speed mode. That's the switch thing. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, which 
is tight. It's great. Because yeah, there are yeah. so many things where like, I get what you're trying to do with like the animations being slow and like you're trying to let moments breathe and stuff, but there are times where it goes on literally too long. Sure. Yeah. And you never watched uh, Evangelion, right? No, no, not yet. There's this one famous scene in Evangelion, which I won't tell you anything about in case you ever end up watching it. Mm -hmm. There's this one famous scene that everybody talks about. It's like, it's like the topic of conversation is like, did you like the elevator scene or not? Mm. Because there's a, there's a, I guess it's not a scene. It's a sequence that takes place in an elevator. It's like after these two people are fighting and they get into an elevator and they're in it for like ever because they're going down under the earth and they're in it for like, I think it's a full like almost 90 to 120 seconds mm. of just silence of the two of them standing there and you just see the lights going by and nothing else in the frame changes um, and they're just not speaking to each other. And then like one person says something else to someone and then they get off and like that's the whole scene and people just constantly talk about is like is this worth having at that length or not right i come from the side of like it's a brilliant filmmaking move and i love it and you feel the tension and the fact that you're checking your watch to like see how long it's been is like it only adds to like making you feel uncomfortable yeah so sure. you kind of get a better sense of how the characters are feeling in the moment i feel like they're trying to do that sometimes in this game which came out around the same time as evangelion yeah 97 yeah, yeah, yeah. so like it f I felt some similarities there with some of the scenes like taking a really long time, but having that 3x speed button has like vastly improved my enjoyment of the game. I'm glad. Um, so that's wonderful. But I think the thing that I was most nervous about and the thing that you and I have talked about and the reason you recommended nine to me over seven was the optimism of nine. The fact that it feels more fantasy, it feels more like goofy, like there's some like stupid stuff that happens in the beginning. Yeah, sort of Miyazaki-esque in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, cause I was watching all the Miyazaki movies at the time and you were like, this kind of like fits the vibe perfectly. Yeah. And I was nervous about the sad despair of seven, especially in Midgar, taking me out of it or like being kind of a Fallout 3 situation where it's like this world is incredible but it, i hate being in it yeah you know and you're supposed to but it's a like tough balance it's yeah. hard it's a hard balance to yeah. strike um that was why i never got into fallout 3 which is like all the browns and dark greens and stuff of that game like really just made me want to not be in that world right. like even though the story was great and i enjoyed like what i played of it i don't hold it to the same level that most people do for that reason sure we're oblivion purists too we're oblivion yeah. purists yeah. <laughs> that was the thing that came out around the same time it was like of course i'm gonna play oblivion right. instead yeah um but that was that was a thing i was worried about was with midgar um because i didn't know how long you were there for i didn't know how long the midgar sequence was um so i was like if i have to spend like all of disc one quote unquote which like there aren't discs on the on the switch version as far as i can tell no um but if i have to spend all of disc one in midgar like am i gonna want to spend that much time there i was nervous about it but i found myself getting extremely invested in the story almost immediately i think mainly and like this might be like too heavy for the podcast but like it is more relevant now than it was then i agree by yeah. far i i touched on that with the whole like i mean we we joke about sword and shield being an anti-corporate game but like yeah. ff7 is like it is about yeah no holds barred it is about like, fighting like replace evil empire with a mega corporation yep who is destroying the planet yeah and yeah it's it's it, it does it does resonate yeah. very strongly with with what's going on today you're i i think i think it does a really great job of taking like everything that we should be mad at right now and focusing it all into one company you yeah. know it's like oh you, you just yeah. have to be mad at shinra right. you know what i mean right now you and i in real life have to be mad at like a hundred different groups of people <laughs> who are all right. evil in the same way shinra is evil right um it's great to focus all of that into one spot sure and i just found the uh the choice of cloud joining a group of people who are essentially like they would be branded as terrorists 
right? Yeah. I mean, and they are in the, yeah. in the world. Yeah. The yeah. first thing you do is you blow up a power plant, right. you know? But like, it weirdly is for the greater good in that situation. And like, you absolutely should be doing that. Like, you should be taking down Shinra because um, they're a nightmare of a company. Yeah. And you find out, you know, more like, I would say, uh, goofy fantasy reasons to be mad at them later, you know? Like, yeah. the stuff that you learn when you have the Sephiroth flashback, the mm. first one, um, and you learn about like, what's going on up in the mountains um, with, I think it's... Tifa? Now, G- Genova? Oh, Genova, yeah. Yeah, you learn about what's happening with Genova. Yeah. Um, and, like, what's in all the pods and stuff. Um, oh, that's in Comtown, where, he, where like, you get a Nagar for the first time, and they're like, all right, Cloud, what's your backstory? He yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. tells you the whole thing. I also love how in that flashback, they let you play as Sephiroth, and he's, like, unstoppable. And yeah, Cloud yeah. is, like, level one, has 100 health. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Cloud just kept dying over and over I again. I know, I have a screenshot of Sephiroth winning, and Cloud's, like, on the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, that's awesome. So the brilliant thing the game does and i've touched on this in the past they from the very first scene with cloud foreshadow that something's up with him Mm -hmm. like anytime he brings up his past there's like a weird flash or like a noise and he like yeah we'll see you'll see a narration in text and then he'll say it as if it's like rehearsed yeah so you know that like he's putting up some kind of front right he's at least emotionally distant uh because like even with the members of avalanche barrett who's the first character you, you recruit who's the head of Avalanche, which is the rebel group, basically. Like, you can tell, Barrett cares a lot about everything. Yeah. He he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's, and I think he's a very human character for that. Like, he's the one who's like, really mad at everything, but also like, really cares. Yeah. And he accuses Cloud of not caring. Cloud says he doesn't. Right. He's like, I'm just here for the money or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you can tell that that's a front too. And it's not even that he secretly cares. You're like, what is up with this dude? Yeah. Um, he has very specific reasons for being there. You can yeah, tell. Yeah. Uh, I, I will only say that that flashback of what happened is going to be revisited several times. Cool. Love it. So you really won't get the full picture of Cloud until the end. Cool. I'm so happy this is happening. <laughs> That's why I wanted to yeah. put this first in the stack, because I was like, there's a chance that talking about this could become the full episode. Yeah. And just like, hey, dear listener, I think Steven and I don't even know if that's the case currently. Yeah, it is possible. We'll see how the rest of the conversation shakes out. But I just, I think, I think I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that you're enjoying the story because even then, I'm like, how in my own cloud identity crisis, I'm like, yeah. how, how much <clears throat> of this is like the because there's all we always talk about like the thing in media. There's always like the thing that did the thing first. Yeah, and then people did it better, better later on. Yeah. But with FF7, even if it's not like, I mean, it's all subjective at the end of the day, but like there's a vibe in FF7 that I haven't experienced in any other game. Yeah. Like there is a certain genre of like modern urban fantasy, like a little bit of cyberpunk. Yeah, totally. Uh, but more like a sense of noir than like any kind of futuristic stuff. Yeah. But there's like a weird sense of gloom over FF7. At the same time, <clears throat> they don't shy away from having fun, goofy moments that yeah. like really help break the tension. Yeah. And oddly enough, I feel like the main thing that does that are the polygon sprites. Mm. Like, I think even though they haven't aged super well, they are 3D versions of the SNES sprites, which are, like, used all the time today. Like, you know, Octopath Traveler being a clear example of that. So it harkens back to that, and I feel like that's also, like, because FF6 is also a very dark story, but it's lifted up by sort of the, the charming presentation of it. Right. I think 7 
is more hit or miss in that field, but I think I actually have grown fond of the 3D sprites because they are reminiscent of that past era. That was the thing that I was going to bring up is like at a certain point, I've started to really enjoy yeah. the graphical style of it in a way that I was not expecting to. Yeah. Um, and there are moments that I notice myself, like if I've been playing for like a half an hour or more at a certain point, I'll notice myself getting so fully invested in it that like I don't even see how muddy it all looks. And I'm just like, wow, this is like a really beautiful room I'm in. You know, yeah. the way the light is streaming through and stuff. Even though it's all, I don't even no, it's like painted or something. I don't know how those backgrounds were made. Like pre-rendered like yeah. 3D environments, yeah. However those backplates were made, um, I, I just have these moments where it's like, wow, I just want to like sit here for a bit and like just like listen to this music and just like be here. And I do that a lot. Yeah. More than I was ever expecting to, especially the first time you jump off the fucking train. And it's like, how do I even run in this game? Like in what direction are you asking me to go? Yeah, it's it's unreal. And there, the presentation does, I think a lot of attention is on the sprites. But like when you're in a battle, the characters actually look pretty good like, yeah. i feel like those sprites still look great and it also it helps to add to the tension of the battle that they do look more realistic like you're a little bit more like pulled into the action in those fights yeah um and then there are some cutscenes. there's some cutscenes where they like just zoom into the clunky ass right models which is great it's hilarious there are some cutscenes where they go all out and like those also still look pretty impressive yeah. like the iconic one is uh when they're like where's cloud he's on a Oh Dude. yeah, yeah. He's on a motorcycle leaving Shinra HQ, and everyone he goes down the stairs the, in the motorcycle. How good is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just saw the the like what I would consider the most iconic thing. I think probably from the whole game because I'd seen it about a million times over the past twenty seven years of my life, sure. or however long since it came out. The moment when Sephiroth is leaving the town after burning it down. Oh yeah. And it's the shot of him just like engulfed in flames, just like kind of looking directly at Cloud before he turns and walks away. Yeah. I mean that's been recreated like a billion times you know that was in advent children and it was in i think even fucking kingdom hearts like they had that shot again even that shot with those sprites or not sprites but like those polygonal models looked badass like it yeah. was rad it was, i mean it was you can hardcore. tell why like every rpg protagonist is trying to be cloud and every villain is trying to be sephiroth yeah absolutely um yeah Yet still don't really ca like a lot of people miss what makes this character interesting. For Cloud, it's that he's basically a big phony. Yeah. Like I mean, you know, I'm not gonna get into specifics, but like you can tell right off the bat. I think I think this scene with Tifa really illustrates that, where she's like, which one? The first one. Like literally the first one mm -hmm. when you meet her, she's like, hey. Like, oh, in the bar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that plants a seed that will grow over the course of the story. But Tifa. Yeah is the only character in the main cast who like knows Cloud's whole deal. Yeah. And has to just like keep it a secret basically. Yeah. From him too because I think he has convinced himself that he's someone he's not. Yeah. It's interesting um, experiencing that because I've noticed that a couple times where it's yeah. like uh, th there's one memory that she brings up of the two of them hanging out like in a park yeah. near her house at one point and like that was like maybe three hours into the game and it was like oh I didn't even know that you two were friends for that long. Like that's yeah. wild that this memory just showing up um and then talking about the sephiroth moment later like same exact thing like oh my god tifa was there the whole time like how come she hasn't mentioned anything about this either like yeah. barrett didn't know any of this tifa yeah. was there the whole time and lost Wild. her father yeah and like you'll only have more respect for tifa as a character when you know the full story and you're like how did she yeah like alone do this yeah like, <laughs> it's it's why it's uh, really interesting yeah it's a great cast and i mean like i i am now even more excited for the remake because I, I think that you because i was so prepared for you to not enjoy this mm -hmm. like i just knew it it was like <laughs> it was kind of the elephant in the room in every episode of this show is yeah, i know yeah. you're gonna have it you're gonna you're gonna play it and you're gonna be like oh i can see why blah 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 i don't like it uh mm -hmm. not that I, that's what i hear you yeah 
yeah. saying. <laughs> blah, no, blah, that's blah. that's I what I it. thought it was going to be. Right. I'm so happy you're enjoying it. I'm like, honestly, it's really not that. I mean, compared to like Three Houses, which like we both spent way too much time. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say too much because it's an amazing game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like FF7, you could be in like 40 hours. Like it's that's, not. So yeah. one of the first things I did before I bought it was I went on timetobeat.com and I was like, what does this look like? Yeah. Like how long am I going to be playing this? Is this going to be Fire Emblem Three Houses again? Am I just getting myself into another one of <laughs> right, these? Right, right. Or what? And they were like, it'll probably take like 40 to 50 hours. Um, and then I found some other people talking about it on the Switch version saying like, if you use the the 3x speed button like liberally you know when you're like running around in the overworld or things like that like you'll fly through it in like 20 to 30 also like 10 hours could literally just be if you want to get like the ridiculous summon that you need to breed a golden chocobo for right if you don't do that yeah then that's like 10 hours saved <laughs> Great. um but if you want to beat Sephiroth in one hit, you should get that summon. Really? Uh, okay. Knights of the Round is the summon. Interesting. You need a golden chocolate to get it because it's on a part of the world map that like you just can't access. Okay. Because basically, blue chocobos can get you over water. Green can get you over hills. Black chocobos can get you over both. Whoa. And the golden chocobo can go anywhere. Uh, Great. The, the problem is that you eventually get an airship, duh. And <laughs> you can only land the airship on grass. Okay. And the area that has the summon is like all mountainous and weird. Interesting. So. Okay. Let me know if you need any advice. Yeah. I uh, will probably hit you up at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I have just been like really 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 impressed with this game. Um I think I think the lightness in the story has come mainly from the thing that I feel like you have pulled your entire personality from, like from youth until now, which is just like the random NPC dialogue that happens is so fucking goofy so and written in exactly your voice <laughs> to the point where like, I hear you saying some of the stuff sometimes in my head. Yeah, dude, this is a foundational experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a guy who's facing away from you. And the only thing he says is this is the item store. And I'm like, this is, this is it. This is comedy. Yeah. Um, There's a guy. So, uh, um, for context, uh, behind Steven right now is Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. I have a big tapestry of Jeff Goldblum. Uh, in the pose he was in in Jurassic Park when uh, they were healing his chest when it got ripped open by a dinosaur, there is a there is a person in a store who is posed exactly like that but facing the wall, and he goes, I don't feel like it right now, and then turns back around, and yeah. you can't buy anything from yeah, him. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I think that makes the world feel so alive. That's it, it does, that, like, yeah. You know, like, uh, especially, and that's what makes Midgar charming, because it's such a weird place. Yeah. Like, it's unlike any fantasy or sci-fi world I've ever experienced, and, like, I really mean that, because I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, have I, like, there are a lot of dystopian cities in a lot of media. There's something about Midgar that's so different from everything else. I think one of the things, and, and like, Obviously, we like the esoteric NPC dialogue for, you know, its own reasons. But, like, the thing that you get such a strong feeling of is how used to the world the people are. Yes. You know, because I think a lot of times writers make the mistake of, in a certain setting, people, like, acting as if, like, the audience had just started living there. Right. They're like, oh, this is terrible. Everything's bad. But they're just like, you. like, one of the one of the images burned into my brain yeah. is in Wall Street, right outside the gym. Yeah. Where you do competitive squatting mm -hmm. uh yeah, yeah are two two people just talking and there's like a bunch of trash just right behind them yeah and oh yeah I and they're exactly. just talking about whatever and then like like it's they're not like i mean i think they mentioned like oh this there's more garbage than usual but like yeah they feel like a living breathing part of the world they're not like commenting on everything directly as if yeah. it's brand new right um, you have people like uh, there's so many weird sectors and there's like in like sector uh, seven is where Tifa's bar is mm -hmm. 
And there's a dude that just hangs outside. He's like, hey, this is my spot. Like, come here whenever you want. And, like, he just looks up at the tall buildings. Like, that's his whole thing. Yeah. He just, like, likes, he's like, I like it here. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's really hard to explain this in words because um, it sounds so, like, specific and, like, yeah. non-existent. But... I think I think a great point of reference, and I just know this because I just, I'm playing this game currently. You know, yeah. you're, you're working on however many years removed from it. Right. But the thing that I found the most shocking like i was horrified by it in a way was uh i made it out of midgar i went to the first town that you go to i what is the name of it Com town yeah it's weird that with a k i don't remember that yeah. um <laughs> but anyway i went da, 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 yeah. great da, 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 great soundtrack first of all amazing soundtrack it's so varied yeah. wait we, 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 we should come back to that, that. Yeah. um anyway i went there you go into the bar you have the whole sephiroth flashback and then they're like okay go out into the world and do some stuff i was like what are you talking about there's a whole town here that i haven't checked out you know so i was like i'm gonna go talk to all the people and everybody loves shinra yeah everyone in that town is like wow they installed a bunch of uh power plants around us and like life's just gotten so much better shinra is a great company and i'm so glad they exist and like just talking to all these people who love shinra not a sing I there's one person who's like I heard some rumors that Shinra was like breeding people do you think that's true and you can say yeah it's true and I know it and they're like wow that's weird and that's it that's all they get there's yeah. no there's no more dialogue past that like oh my god the like Shinra won. Like Shinra, like it's it's like you, you always mention Final Fantasy VI. There's a point when the villain wins. Yeah, that happened before the game started. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that experience is what you start like years afterwards. Right. Which is wild. It reminds me a little bit of Breath of the Wild in a way. Where yeah. It's like you yeah. start that game was it 500 years after Ganon has already won. Yeah. And I mean, just the sight of Midgar on the world map is like because that. Yeah. Yeah. When you get at it, because you know you're at a point where I think I said this in a. In the episode we did about F7, where I was like, I was like, give it until you leave Midgar. That's yes. the point where you'll know if this is the game for you or not. And yeah. You have found that, and it is, and I am over the moon. Yeah, I found it way before that, but yes. But you, you get out of Midgar, and you're like, oh my, I thought the whole game was going to be here. Yeah. And there's a whole world, and, and you find that so refreshing and also kind of horrifying. It's like, well, no one else really knows what's going on here. Yeah. A lot of people talk about Midgar like, oh, I got to visit there. It sounds like a really cool, and amazing it's this, place. Like, crater on the map. Like, yeah. you see all this green and like nature around you, and there's this like it's literal big, cancer like big on the map. Fucking butthole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah. There's another setting that's the. So the first place you go to is Comtown. Once you uh, get on the other side of the map, there's a place called Fort Condor. Mm -hmm. It's literally like a, just someone dug under underground and made a few rooms and they're f like a rebel like a really underfunded rebel resistance against Shinra oh interesting because uh, they used to be like this, they have something against Shinra um, and there's a whole mini game where you like Starcraft style like spend money to build an army for them wow and uh, you can that's a whole s side quest you can do I think you're gonna find the world map part as exciting as I did because there's so much of the world yeah it really does kind of feel like I mean there are a lot of nods to Norse mythology which you and hey if we if you and I know anything it's Norse mythology <laughs> Uh, uh -huh. I don't know what that is, but like Midgar Zalem is a direct reference to like the world serpent. Yeah. Uh, cool. Midgar itself is the realm of mortals mm -hmm. in Norse mythology. And there's like, I mean, I think all Final Fantasy and like all RPGs are rooted in mythology of all kinds. Yeah, totally. Um, especially like Persona. I mean, there's all religion, right, all yeah. folklore. Mothman's a summon. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think you're going to really find like, I was going to make Allegory of the Cave reference where it's like you like people uh you're familiar with that right no so allegory of the cave is i think i think it's by plato but basically it's the idea or like fable it's a story of people who live in caves and only have seen their shadows it's like mm. how they know 
themselves yeah. and that's what they've grown up knowing to be true and once they have left the cave and see light they're so overwhelmed by like reality and the truth in a way mm-hmm. that they revert to going back in the cave to be like no well this is what i know interesting and Megar yeah. kind of has that vibe where you get it you're like oh my god there's a whole world out here yeah and i think you're going to be overcome by like, that sensation of like seeing what's going on outside midgar yeah and you know what what does this town think of shinra and and why and yeah and uh you're going to experience all shades of that. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite settings, and I'm I'm just going to spoil this. It's not a huge thing, but like <laughs> you you get more members of the cast. Yeah, uh, two are optional. Right. I don't know if you know. Well, I, I did know, know that. Vincent and Yuffie are optional. Mm-hmm. Get both. Why not? Yeah, I, uh, I plan on it. But my one of my favorite members is Sid Highwind. There's a running tradition of a character named Sid in almost every Final Fantasy. It's I'm, fascinating. I'm not sure why, but they're they're always into like technology. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. They're always like a pilot or something. They're Q. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And Sid in this game, he lives in a place called Rocket Town, and there is a cool name. It's a great place. Uh, and there's a giant. It's like a. It's kind of like Common Town. It's like a kind of a modest suburb almost. Yeah. And looming over the town is this green, rusted rocket ship mm. that's just sort of dormant. Yeah. And you meet Sid, and he curses more than any character in the game. They yeah. don't. They have all the like, you know, dollar signs and shit, yeah. like uh, do- dollar signs and like hashtags. Like they're just writing gibberish to don't show you what he's saying. Right. Which I always think is kind of funny. Like just say it. I love it. Yeah. It's worse than like. It's more disturbing than what could have been said. Even. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but like, he's this really kind of angry, jaded guy, and you learn that he had dreams of going into space. And like he like, there's a flashback where he's on that rocket ship, and his assistant, who like I never, I need to play it again because I don't really remember their full relationship. I feel like there's definitely like romance implied, mm. but maybe I'm assuming. Uh, I'd have to play it again to kind of get the full picture. But like, basically, uh, a person gets stuck in the engine room. Oh wow! And she's like, it's like it's like literally like ten nine eight, and he's like in the control room, and she's like, just go, like this is your dream. Oh Do my it. god. I'll, like forget about me holy shit and he's sitting there like scratching his head and you hear that like it's the same alarm that goes off in the mako reactor they're like whoop, whoop, oh, with yeah, that whole yeah. thing and like it's a countdown and he just is like fuck it and hits the switch and cancels the launch yeah and now lives with that person and all they do is argue and yell at each other <laughs> and it's this like really just i love this like visual metaphor of this like overgrown like impotent rocket ship just hanging yeah. over his house wow. that's a nightmare yeah. <laughs> like his dead dreams are casting a shadow over his house yeah that's wild and there huh. are a lot of the characters get moments like that where like you like eventually you'll kind of get a version of what happened with cloud where you get like everyone's backstory and they all have great backstories barrett's is great yeah you meet I'm going to spoil this a bit just to get you excited. You meet another dude with a gun arm. Oh, wow. Great. uh, Who's his old childhood friend. Amazing. Cool. You're going to love that story. Everyone's got their episode, you know? And like, I think it's the episodic nature that makes that game like so palatable, you know? Because it's like, oh, 40 hours, Jesus. But it's like, no, like, it's like watching a show. Like, you're going to divide it up. Yeah. You're going to have a catharsis along the way. Like, Midgar is definitely like season one, right? Yeah. Totally. And like I feel like now you can even see more why they chose to like just do that part. Yeah. 
Oh my god, yeah, for absolutely. The, for the remake. I'm so excited to see a triple A version of that. Yeah. Having just played it. Because I think too, like again, like you just said, like it, it resonates stronger now. Like and Midgar is such a unique setting. Yeah. I just hope they keep all the things that make it so special. Yeah, I it's weird to have context for this now. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get that out there. Um yeah, I, I'm now concerned a little bit about like how do you recapture that magic? Like right. does putting more detail into that place make it worse in terms of like vibe, you know? Yeah. Uh because part of the part of the charm, I think, is that it is a little bit more opaque than than most things and most video games we're playing right now. Like most places in video games are at least like fleshed out enough where it's like you get a really great understanding of what's going on there and something about the like kind of like muddy back plates and like weird polygons adds to this the sense of of belonging there yeah which and is I mean, wild. like, there's this a lot of little stuff. Like, there's one, there's one house in the slums where this kid has one gill in a drawer. Yeah, like it's like because you, you, you know, just RPG logic, you're searching everything, and there's like one. Oh gill. yeah, yeah. Okay, I know exactly. Uh, yeah. And if you go back there later, the kid's there, and he's like, because because at first he's like on the first floor of the house, and he's like, he he he, no one will ever find it. Yeah. And if you go in his room, there's one gill, and like. You know, that's like nothing. Just for context, like the cheapest thing in the game costs a hundred gil. Yep. So you're like one gil, and it's probably the kids. So like you put two together. Like, okay, I'm just gonna leave it. And if you go back later, he's like, ooh, like he's saved up. Yeah. Um, if you take it, he's crying. Oh no. If you go back, he's like he doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. And he's crying. Like just little stuff like that. It's weird to imagine like a bloom lit kid crying in his room over <laughs> one gil. Like, why do you take it? Yeah. Uh, so I hope that they leave room. I mean, I think an example of a, of a like modern game that kind of had that sense of setting is near Automata. Mm. There's like a oh, lot yeah. of like you're right. Yeah. Just like kind of uh, like the rebel camp or the resistance camp in that game like mm-hmm. had a lot of great NPCs that are just like there and yeah that's also the game that that game also has that sort of offbeat humor that yeah. kind of helps it uh, in more tense moments but it is a concern of mine I'm really excited for the remake but I do think that like I think that there is that there is value to how the game looks even though like it has aged poorly I completely agree and I'm so surprised that I agree <laughs> with you because it's like because again the game's vibe is so unique that you can't really describe it until you played it yeah it's really hard to say there's like I hate saying je ne sais quoi but there really is a je ne sais quoi about FF7 yeah put that on my tombstone please <laughs> uh. yeah I, I just am like it's funny, we were actually just talking earlier about, um, I took a trip to Italy last summer. And, and you're like, what is je ne sais quoi? What is like, je ne sais quoi? And they're like, yeah, you completely yeah. got it wrong. Like, Excuse me, uh, je ne sais quoi. You gotta go north, like, Mwah. a thousand miles. Um, yeah. <laughs> In English, like, dude, fucking cut it out. <laughs> um, I went to Italy last summer, and I, I did, I, I fucking played the hits, you know? Like, yeah, I, went, yeah. I went and saw all the stuff you're supposed to see in Italy. And I, the, the main thing is the Statue of David was like, you have seen pictures of that over and over and over again your whole life. And I just remember like being on the tour, like slowly making my way towards the room where they hold the David, just being like, I know what I'm what I'm going to see when I'm in there. Yeah. Like, why even go look at it, you know, in person? Like, what's re- what's that really going to add to like, yeah, the tomes of Wikipedia pages, the report I had to write on it in sixth grade, you know, all that the stuff. PowerPoint, yeah. the PowerPoint I had to do. I had to censor um <laughs> but like you walk into the room and it's like a breathtaking experience yeah seeing that in person was like holy shit because first of all like you knew already but like I didn't 
it's gigantic. It's a huge sculpture, yeah. But beyond that, like it is like it is per it's a perfect thing, and it's accentuated by uh, uh, next to it. They have a, a wall where they have etched into it a bunch of reviews that people wrote when the David was first unveiled, and I will like never forget. One of them is pretty much along the lines of like, "Why even make marble sculptures anymore? Like this is so perfect." Yeah. Um, and that's what you feel when you're looking at it, and that's weirdly what I'm thinking about Final Fantasy VII right now is like I've heard so much about this game for yeah. so long, it's been so hyped up. It's like when people tell you like you gotta watch this TV show. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. so many people tell you that you're like, I'm just not going to do it now. Right. For some stupid self-destructive reason, you're like, right. fuck all of you. Yeah. My friends. <laughs> I'm not you are trying to provide me with a good experience. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Which no, I'm sure, I won't. Which I'm sure I'll love. Yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to look at the wall instead and scream. <laughs> I'm going to put my one gill in a drawer. Uh, and cry. Uh, <laughs> and bloom lit hell. But that's how I felt about Final Fantasy VII. And now playing it. It's like, oh, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm so dumb. Like, this is great. This is great. It is great. And it is it is so different yeah. than all of the other ones I've played. Yeah, that, that's something that I am still struck by whenever I revisit it. And I think what I tried to emulate when we talked about it last was like, there is no Final Fantasy like it. Yeah. Like, there, 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 it really is. Uh, it's almost like... Um, I'm gonna make another Miyazaki comparison because, like, Spirit Away, like, is the big one. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, that's yeah. the one that, like, at least in the West, like, I feel like it got the most attention, mm -hmm. and like, most people point to that as his best. Right. And, like, I've watched a lot of Miyazaki movies, <laughs> and like, that's my favorite one, and it's it's interesting because it's also probably his weirdest movie. Oh yeah. Like, it is not like the most accessible. Yeah. It is not uh like there's no real clear reason why like, that was the hit. Yeah. Except that like it just somehow fucked us all up. Like it's. <laughs> <laughs> somehow like hit like a unconscious like a shared unconscious yeah where we're all afraid that we're gonna turn into pigs when, right when the moon uh, comes out. i mean I, I think i mean not to make this a movie podcast suddenly but like i feel like that movie captures like you know something very dreamlike that we all share like, yeah kind of escaping to somewhere else but even that's like oversimplifying it yeah but with ff7 uh like it's not a game that thinks it's cool and that's something that mm. that's that's the thing that i've struggled with with recent Final Fantasies is like ever since like ever since I, I think it started with 10 where I feel yeah. like there's this sense of self-importance and this sense of like yeah. showiness and I don't mind that because Persona's all that Persona's like well, showing it, up to school on, yeah. on roller skates like hey like the music like but it commits so hard to that that like I love it and exactly. I'll talk about that later yeah yeah but like you know, Final Fantasy fifteen, like everyone on that cast thinks they're cool, like they're they're in, like I haven't right. played it, but like just the design, no, they do. and the they presentation. Do. Right. Yeah. Whereas like with FF seven, Cloud's design has become cool because he was such a good character. Right. Like they they are all cool because they're really good characters. Yeah. And now that's the look. Right. right. Yeah. Um. It's the whole like be yourself versus uh. You yeah. know like go for what's trendy. Um, Which has weirdly given me a, a kind of new appreciation for. Uh, nine in that yeah. like what's his name Zidane 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 yeah, or yeah like, either way I don't know yeah. Z Zidane like is clearly a, a cloud look alike yeah and thinks he's the shit right and like is just super lame yeah <laughs> like from go like yeah. he thinks he's cloud and he is not yeah he's like Sylvain adjacent right and yeah, everyone's yeah. like Ugh. Um, uh, yeah yeah I can't believe that in today's day we I know, I was streamed bring this Oblivion <laughs> and then not only did you reveal that you have been playing FF7 and yeah. are enjoying it, you compared it to Michelangelo's David. <laughs> I cannot be happier. I am literally like, I feel like I've achieved Nirvana. Yeah, it's this your birthday. Has, yeah, it's my birthday. 
I'm now. Uh, it's not really, but like it might as well be. It might as well be. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk about this again if you get farther in. Um, yeah. Maybe we could do a bonus episode just about FF7. I mean, it's hard. It, as I'm saying it though, I'm like, it's just so hard to put into words. Like, I really do think. Yeah. Like, I would love. I, I never want to tell. Like, uh, I'm really flattered that a lot of you who listen to the show have reached out and like said that you've tried games or talked about or like you know like you you've uh, and usually it's very positive. You, I've I, thankfully I've yet to hear like, hey, I bought you know I bought a uh, uh, Slay the Spire and it sucks yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, you were gonna say Dragon's Dogma. I was gonna say Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> That's the one I'm afraid of. <laughs> As we just um, we just spoke it aloud and now we're gonna get like 18 tweets. Uh, like, so I want my money back. I mean, also just just to put it out there again, like both with the Patreon and with like buying anything, we're recommending like it's really like we're not we're not telling you to spend money anywhere. Yeah, that, I just right, want to like right. put that out there. Like yeah. we really don't want you to spend money unless like you're really excited about something or you really want to support the show. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to put that out there because that's something that gives me anxiety. But anyway, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, I would love to just sort of like have a list of games where I'm like, if you care about games as a medium and you're into games, like check these out. Yeah. And FF7, this is not a hot take, but like, I really think people should. Yeah. Like, I really think like... I'm on that team now. And I think it's interesting because we often, you and I think focus a, a lot on what's new and we, we like try not to be blinded by nostalgia with old stuff. Yeah. At least I do because I feel like I'm more apt to do that um, or I'm more like conditioned to do that mm-hmm. based on my history. Yeah. Um, you, have a, you have a much broader history with older stuff than I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think there's also merit in past imperfections. Yeah. I think there's merit in being like, okay, this hasn't aged well, but why? And what about it is actually still working? Yeah. Uh, both intentionally and unintentionally. Right. And I think with FF7, I think the reason it works is because they knew how it looked and they used that to its advantage. Yeah. There's a lot of humor from that game that would not work if they weren't those models. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're recurring gag. Like, I think there was actually an un... They planned to have this be a recurring gag where Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse, you know, like your party members just walk out of you. Mm-hmm. Like Cloud will be on the map and then like if Bear and Tifa have to do a scene, they'll walk out of you. Yeah. So they had to say and then walk back inside of you. Yeah. It's hard... It, just see a clip, you'll know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. This is not that's, Cronenberg horror. Yeah, uh, it's very hard to describe. There was going to be a gag where Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse tried to do the same but would bump into each other. Oh, that's good. But they scrapped it from the game. Oh. Um, but there are moments like that where they like utilize it, looking the way it does, to be funny, to break the tension. Yeah. To maybe have a scene play darker yeah. than it probably could have been. I mean, you'll see this game goes places where like, I think that the remake's going to be really sad and really. I think so too. I, th- uh, I think it's gonna, it's gonna get really heavy. Yeah. I think. As soon as you introduce like serious character models, like like Advent Children style character models. Yeah. Into an actual playable game with this story, that's gonna be like really fucking dark. But there's I, a there's a scene in a conference room in um the Shinra, Shinra headquarters oh, God, where you're yeah. up in like a an air vent and you're looking down and just like kind of peering in. Uh, as these people are literally talking about, like, all right, so we're just gonna like murder like maybe ten thousand people. Yeah, right. And there's exactly one person in the room with yeah. like an ounce of morality. Who's yeah. like, are we gonna rebuild it? Like, what's? Yeah. And they're like, no. Yeah. Um, um, and then there's one guy who I I, f- I forget what his name is, but his whole deal is like, oh, so you're not gonna rebuild it? So can I have the funds that you would use instead? And they say yes. 
and he does this like little dance, like a goofy dance. He does like a super fun oh, is goofy it Heidegger? dance. It's Heidegger or Palmer, I think. Palmer, Palmer, yeah, Palmer, yeah, yeah. yeah. He does this like fun, like goofy dance. And I was just like, oh, that was like a stupid dance. And then I just remembered what had happened. It was like, oh my God, this is fucking brutal. This yeah, is awful. It's awful. Um, yeah. And and that moment that I'm talking about where they, they drop the thing on Sector 6, like terrifying. Yeah. An actual, they're just like, everyone's gone. Yeah, that's that's a really heavy moment in the game, especially because, I mean, and that's where I think, like, Barrett really shows his range as a character. Yeah. I, I won't spoil that scene, but, like, that, yeah. that's going to be heartbreaking. I mean, that's it's what heartbreaking. I mean. Like, it's heartbreaking already, but, like, that's going to be... And I think that's interesting, that because even though I think the remake is is going to try to emulate as much as they can from the original, yeah, I think what will probably end up happening, ideally, is that they will both have a space mm-hmm. like it will be worth I, I i really hope that the remake is everything we're excited about yeah and i hope what will happen is that there's still a reason to go back and play the original yeah you know it's like okay like if you like this you might like this and and see where it all started and kind of like you know experience both for yourself yeah so excited yeah uh but yeah i think i think i wonder i wonder how the tone's gonna be yeah um, not out of like there's a bit of concern, but it's also out of like there's now that we're saying this, this potential to tell the same story differently mm-hmm. and to use certain things to their advantage over other things. Yeah, I think that they had the advantage of maybe having the dialogue be a little sharper. Yeah, and have like the localization be a little bit like yeah, because I think there's still some clunky dialogue here and there. Yeah, like, there, there. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about the the localization of this game. Yeah, I've actually heard weirdly more about that than I have about like the actual plot of the game <laughs> over the years. Right. So I'm interested to see like a team rewrite this game, especially like some of the scenes that are like just like bad or problematic in certain ways that it's just yeah, like, you yeah. just have to like brace yourself and just fucking. There's get a whole it. chapter in in a uh, wall market that like I think a lot of people are concerned about. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. we won't get into, but it's um, um it's like beyond that stuff. I I think that it's important that this story is told now. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. Because so. I get so much satisfaction out of beating the shit out of Syndra, uh, out of Shinra. Yeah. you know what I mean. Oh yeah, like just wait. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. yeah, and I think um I think with with the stuff that like is like kind of like problematic 1997 stuff. Yeah. Hopefully they they will find a way to do that more tastefully. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Oh my God. Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII. I like. As you were working out to reveal, I'm like, wait, is it gonna be fall? Like, is it is it gonna? Is I've like- been dropping hints for, Have the, you? for the past like two weeks ish. Yeah. Like how? We Give can talk about it off the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh my, my materia is killing me. <laughs> What's what you got in your pocket? A chocobo lore materia? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Awesome. Let's cool. take a break. I Let's need take to, a break. I need to unwind. Yep. Me too. Um, amazing. Thank you for thank you for your time, Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Bye. Steven. Hey. We're back. We're back. Hey. Feels like a lifetime. It does feel like a lifetime. What a bomb to drop on me. Yeah. You all right? You recovered yet? I don't know. Today's been a day. It's been, it's also weird because it's so like dark outside. Yeah, and yeah. It feels so happy. Yeah, it does. It's it's weird to record the show at night. Yeah, I'm more it, of a morning person. Also, we've been together for so long that it literally feels like it could be any time. We went to a diner twice. We went to two diners, yeah. One, one time they threw at us the complimentary coleslaw right second time we got like pasta yeah they gave us green pasta <laughs> and it was, I was like, like pas- oh. pasta with the green heinz ketchup that they had when shrek came out because i forgot yeah. what you ordered and i was like oh, okay pasta salad You're like did you get this I'm like no I'm like, <laughs> this is just like compliments of the chef 
Yeah, I guess it was. Uh, I felt bad not eating, but like, there's no way I'm gonna like politely eat pasta salad. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's it for pasta salad reviews. So Brendan and I <laughs> today we stream something silly. We, I guess, so. Please fill in the blanks here if you want to. But sure. uh, just to kind of highlight something else we've been doing, or Brendan's been doing, uh, you started a series called Into the Pass. Yeah. Um, that is on, it streams on Twitch, but then all the episodes reside on YouTube. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Right now they're both on Twitch and YouTube. I think they're just going to be on YouTube. Gotcha. Like eventually, like I'll stream them live and then export them out to YouTube. Gotcha. But, yeah. but basically you're playing, aim, aiming to play every game on Game Pass. Right. Which currently is like 263 games, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And literally since 2013, maybe even longer. Yeah. You and I have wanted to do something with Oblivion. Right. Uh, some kind of like, it, it's, it was even more abstract than saying let's play. It's like, we just have to like play Oblivion and yeah. like have people experience it with us in some capacity. Right. It's like our white whale. Cause it's that, just, that was the thing, probably the thing that brought you and I together as people. Oblivion. Was our shared love of Oblivion. Yeah. Like when it came out. Yeah. Oblivion. Uh, so it's actually really, what a coincidence, uh, bringing up Final Fantasy VII Oblivion. Uh, <laughs> um, uh-huh. Oblivion was like my big gateway into Western RPGs because mm. I I played FF7 at a really young age. Yeah. In my head, RPGs were Final Fantasy. So like, right. I played every Final Fantasy after that. I played Chrono Trigger, I played Chrono Cross. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. when we started on those, I played a lot of, that was that was basically it for a long time. I mean, basically it. There's like eight games, but like, <laughs> uh, that's like what I associated with RPGs, and I also really like Zelda, right? So like that, but that was also like its own genre almost. Yeah. And I never really got into like I just never really had a lot of desire to play. Like I I was always kind of this sounds really sh- weird or shitty. I was gonna say, but I always kind of found the like. Tolkien, D and D, fantasy stuff like not that appealing. Yeah. At a young age, I just I thought like because it was so like this is fantasy and like yep. I get, that's a thing was obviously this is like where it all began. Yeah. But again, like I found so much inspiration from a setting like Midgar. Yeah. Which is like the least magical setting of all time. Yeah. But the fact that magic. So yeah, so non-magical that they won't even use the word magic. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that magic exists in that world, I'm like, oh, that's so special. Yeah. Like the fact that Barrett can summon a a giant chocobo with a mog riding yep. or a uh, moogle, whatever. Yeah. Tifa can summon Ifrit. Like, you know, it's, right. it's great. Yeah. And a lot of Western RPGs tended to be kind of like, I love that shit now, just to put that out there. Like, I, I love all the genres now. But, like, as a kid, I always gravitated towards, like, Final Fantasy. Then 2006 sneaked up on me. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oblivion comes out. I was at a friend's house, and I was, I, I just couldn't stop laughing. Like, I just... <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing, but I was also so into what was happening. Yeah, yeah. I was, this game looks awesome. I was like, wait, you can make your own character. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm. He was playing as a red guard. He's a warrior. Yeah. Um, his character was really cool. Like, he made a cool character. I was laughing because he was playing on the easiest difficulty possible. Uh huh. So everyone died in one hit, and they were like ragdoll like, right. right away. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, what is this? But I was, oh my god, wait, this is a whole huge world, and you can make your own character because I had loved. Especially as a kid, I loved the idea of making my character, making my own experience. Yeah. So once I learned that, like, that was kind of synonymous with Western RPGs, was like, 
you get to make the character and kind of role play yourself, like D and D. Right. Because um, I never knew what D and D was. Like, yeah. Was it, was it like a card game? I didn't really know. On, like, I said this before, but thank God I didn't know. Young Steven would have <laughs> only done that. Uh, yeah. Because it combines all my interests of like theater, creation, and like mm-hmm. nerddom. So anyway, I got Oblivion in high school. I think I was like seventeen when it came out. A sixteen or seventeen, and. Uh, it was great. I was so into it. I almost became a problem. I was so into it that I never really got that into any other big. Uh, like I was never that into WoW. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really. I didn't really ever check out any other big uh, Western RPG. I just loved Oblivion, and I was so excited for Skyrim. Uh, yeah. I got to dig him on that. Became a huge thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then that led to me getting into Mass Effect, which like. That was a whole other stuff because I'm like, oh my god, like this has everything I like about Oblivion, where I get to make my character and kind of role play, but like the story's actually like there, like, and it's really responding because there's always that sense of detachment. Yeah. Eventually, from in Bethesda games, right? But. Every time somebody makes a game like an Oblivion, they always say like in the E3 announcement or whatever, it's like every choice you make matters. Yeah. Everything you do is gonna respond in the environment. All and, the characters <laughs> and the world's gonna change right. around you, and like it never does. All that happens is a bar. Our keeper goes oh it's you yeah right <laughs> yeah we're like i think it's yeah. I, the the uh, example i always give is like you become the leader of the mages college in skyrim and nobody acknowledges yeah, you as to the that. point where the wizard goes you know if you have the aptitude you should join the mages school I'm like i am the archmage right look at what i'm wearing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right. It's like I'm a lizard in a dark cloak and they're like, you should join the Dark Brotherhood. Like, dude. I'm here to kill I'm you. I'm an assassin. <laughs> I have a contract for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's always that kind of, like, you get to that point where uh, that's more of a problem in Skyrim than actually is in Oblivion, oddly yeah. enough. Yeah. But we'll get into that. So, yeah. Um, I say all that because Oblivion was, like, my gateway into that. And that's a game that has not aged super well. But, 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 a million butts. Yeah. Uh, a million butts just in existence. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, we wanted to stream it because we find it so funny and it's such just a, a weird gem of the past. Yeah. This weird, awkward, prepubescent era of early 360 graphics yep. that will never exist again. Yeah. Was and it a launch title for 360? Pro- I think so. I think it was. I think it was. I remember my best friend in high school got a 360 and I went to his house and he was playing Oblivion and that was the first time I had ever seen it. And like at the time I had a PS2 and I was just playing Spider-Man 2. Like, that was, like, the only game I had, really. Yeah. That was, like, all I was doing was playing Spider-Man 2 and playing Comic Zone on my Sega Genesis, <laughs> which I also had. Like, that, that was my, like, gaming experience and, like, a Game Boy. Yeah. Um, and I remember going and seeing Oblivion and thinking, like, I need to save up for an Xbox. I need this game. Yeah, I didn't have an Xbox. And yeah. I actually, this is, this is great. Uh, you're gonna love this. Okay. I didn't have a 360 until, like, years later. Yeah. So I had, like, a... My friend, who's somehow like a tech genius, burned me a copy of Oblivion on like a faceless disc. Okay. I just had it. I, mean, I shouldn't say this. It's like, it's, whatever. It's, it's okay. 2019. You're That's good. That's true. <laughs> People have been looking out for me. But I had this blank disc, this like nameless, faceless. But imagine if, if, if uh, Todd Howard was listening to hour three of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Like and I got you, Stephen. I've been chasing you all these years. So I had like a, I had like I had like a <laughs> you know illegal copy of Oblivion, uh-huh. <laughs> and my computer could not run it, mm-hmm. but it could run it on the very low settings. Oh, that's perfect though. Which made 
everything look even worse. Yeah. And there was no, there were no shadows. There was no lights. Yeah. So there's actually a lot of <laughs> obstacles in Oblivion where caves will be purposely dark. You'll need a, t- you'll need a torch to get through. Right. I didn't need anything. Everything was glowing <laughs> on very low settings. <laughs> that was the first time I played. I played it a lot, and then eventually I got the 60, and then I was able to revisit it properly. Yeah. So all that to say, after all these years, after the it being this basically inside joke between us that existed. Yeah. That's because that's what it is. It's an inside joke between us. Yeah. Also kind of a weird like horcrux of our friendship. Yeah. That we just needed to revisit. Yeah. And it like goes as far. I mentioned this on the stream, but it's worth mentioning in the podcast. Like the description for this podcast that you're listening to right now. Like if you go to Apple Podcasts and you type it into the Aether and you go to the podcast page, it's Stephen Hilger and Brendan Bigley try their best to not talk about the Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. Yeah. That's that's the whole description and of like, our it's podcast. never really an issue. It has been a couple times. It has been in like early, early episodes. On, but like not really since. We've gotten better at it since, but We've like gotten better. it was a learned trait for us to <laughs> not talk about Oblivion. But yeah, we had we were like, okay, when I'm when I'm in town in a week, we're gonna stream Oblivion. And I was expecting it to be fun. Yeah. But I was expecting it to be like, okay, we're gonna make a character. Yeah. We're gonna play it for like an hour or two feel like okay this is kind of aged poorly and move on mm-hmm. oblivion's still great oblivion uh, oblivion rules <laughs> oblivion uh, in 2019 extremely tight if you if you okay i'll say right off the bat the make or break thing is how comfortable you are swimming in the uncanny valley <laughs> because <laughs> no one looks cool yeah everyone's a little scary and off-putting uh-huh. and <laughs> Everyone is Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, everyone is. <laughs> everyone like would be okay if like if they didn't have like really realistic wrinkles. Yeah, in like one spot of their face. Uh huh. And then like the rest of it was like Playmobil. Completely yeah. smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's really unsettling. Not a single pore. Just yeah. nothing good about any of it. But it's amazing. Yeah. Um. And what I really like about Oblivion that I think a vibe of its own. So we made a. <laughs> this will also be on YouTube, and we, we streamed it on Twitch. But we ended up making a character that like immediately we made like a somewhat rich backstory for. Yeah. His name is Lester. He's uh. There's a recurring book in the Elder Scrolls games called the Lusty Argonian Maid. Yeah. So I think it was Bolt who was watching. Hello, Bolt. Hello. Uh, they said, uh, what if you made the Lusty Argonian Knight? Yeah. So we made Lester, L-H-E-S-T-E-R, mm-hmm. the Lusty Argonian Knight. Yeah. Um, he only fights with his fists, unarmed. Yep. Doesn't wear a shirt. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is a show don't tell kind of scenario. Yeah. Because it really does work in the context of the game. But it's worth it's worth mentioning for the point you're making. Yeah. Long story short, we went in with like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna add restrictions to this character to yeah. make it more fun. Yeah. And the game has more is a, a bit for you and I. More is a bit, but then we realize like because when you make a character in that game, like Skyrim, you you have some flexibility over like what race you are and 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 what skills they get, but like it's more of an aesthetic. Like you can kind of be whatever. Yeah. And that game is modeled around the idea of like the more you do something, the better you will be at it. Right. Which is good and it works for that game. Yeah. Um and it's certainly more user friendly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. for anyone like who has uh, like a background in D&D or like wants to kind of go in with a specific character in mind. Right. In this game, you choose your astrology sign, mm-hmm. which uh, in this case, Lester was born under the sign of the lovers. Yep. Which is great. And then you choose your class. Right. And also like, so you choose your class, which right away kind of determines what your major skills are. That's how you level up. Yeah. And it also gives you like a significant boost in certain areas to the point where like certain characters will walk faster than others. Yeah. Uh, and right away, I just had such a strong idea of who this 
who this character was. Yeah. Like, it really, like, we were having fun with it, obviously, but, like, if you wanted to go and be like, okay, I'm a sulking assassin who only uses a bow, like, you can make a custom class. Yeah. That, like, right away focuses on that. You can go, you can begin the game with that in mind and that alone. And like, just roleplay that. Like, as hard that. as you want. Yeah. And the game is, like, built for it. Because the first time I played that game, it was more like what Skyrim ended up being. Yeah. I played that game just doing whatever I wanted. Like, I made a custom class that just, like, had a bunch of like skills that really didn't make sense together and just like kind of went out in the world because I didn't understand what I was doing. And by the end of it, I just had like an extremely well-rounded character that really didn't have any kind of backstory or vibe at all. But upon replaying that game in later years, I was like, okay, I'm going in as a mage this time or I'm going in like I'm just going to be a knight, like sword and shield knight, like yeah. classic Dark Souls shit, I right. guess, uh, before Dark Souls had come out. But like classic Dark Souls shit. And this character that we made today, it was so quickly like this game is more fun playing this way. Yeah. Like, playing this game, we put the restriction on ourselves. Fists only. He has a quiver of arrows, but he replaced all the arrows with flowers. And he doesn't wear any armor. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't wear any armor. <laughs> except for his, like, one pair of leather pants. Yeah. And and the thing, the thing that clicked for me is, like... Because we also looked at the quest menu. And all the quest menu, there's, like, a journal that's written in first person. Yep. Where it's like, I have done this. And yeah. the game is so loose in its narrative structure that you really... Like, the game wants you to fill in the blanks. Yep. Like, there is the main story and that is the worst part of oblivion like by far oh the yeah the main story is like actually not good <laughs> like i would recommend never doing it yeah um because what <laughs> don't happened, let patrick stewart fool you yeah don't let patrick stewart fool you he is leading you down the wrong path yeah because what ended up ha if you do the main story what happens is you do a bunch of generic quests and they're boring <laughs> yep. what happened to us was we found a unicorn in like hour one of playing <laughs> yep and now we have a unicorn. Yep. We also, like, I can't even begin, like, the whole, today has been a dream, first mm -hmm. of all. Yeah. But it's just, I think I'm overcome with this, with this feeling of, like, trying to, because the term not aged well is certainly something, because I, I think there's, there's a lot of danger to be too stuck in the past mm -hmm. and to have, like, too much nostalgia for things and not focus on what's coming out. And in general, I think you and I both invest a lot in like new ideas and new things and moving forward. And yeah. like that's, that's like, I think where our hearts are, but I think that just because something has an age role, maybe aesthetically doesn't mean that there's a lot of merit to be found. It may be like in, in, in experiences that can still exist within it that can't exist in other games. Yeah. Like I, I've done this in the Skyrim. Like I talked about the character I made where their only mission was to head West. Right. And I've had a lot of fun with it. And like Skyrim is still kind of loose in structure where like you don't even have to, if you don't do any of the main quests, dragons never show up after the beginning. Right. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah. You could play hours of that game. It rules. And have dragons never even appear. Yeah. It was funny. Like in, in our playthrough of it, like, the first thing you are told is like go to go to Wayne and Priory. It's the, it's the stables outside Coral, which is a nearby city. Yeah, and we ended up going there for other reasons, completely by accident. Completely like avoid Joffrey. Like, don't even look at him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people like we kept talking to people in the town. They kept really wanting to tell us about this yeah. Joffrey person we were supposed to talk to. It's like no, 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 no. I'm here to haggle with you. Yeah. For your four iceberg lettuce heads yeah. that you have. I just think, uh, I mean, a lot of it is, is accentuated by, like, us playing it together and having fun with the character. Yeah, created. totally. Yeah. But I do think that, and, and like, the game plays, like, I, I think it plays fine. I do think that Skyrim is a, definitely, like, was a vast improvement. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's still a lot of really fun 
flexibility. And there's also still way more freedom with the character. Like, there's so yeah. many skill trees. Yeah. Like, they really did streamline so much in Skyrim where, like, some of that creativity was lost. Mm-hmm. Where, like, if you want to focus on, like, just speech and, like, <laughs> yeah. just illusion you could yeah in, in oblivion it's gonna take a while but i feel like that journey could be so fun if yeah you, if you just i think if i think an rpg like oblivion really showcases like how fun it could be to let the player really make their own character right you know like really let them play the game as any character they want yeah i think i think a great touchstone for that is is the jump from Fallout 3 to 4 also. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, like, Fallout 3 and Oblivion, I consider, like, siblings. Like, they're, like... Oh, yeah, Beth- same engine. And, yeah, Bethesda, know, same, at yeah. that very specific point in, in their life cycle as a development house, both of those games have a really strong focus on creating your own character and, like, investing a lot in writing a lot that the player might never see Yeah, because of how they play that character. Um, New Vegas, I think, you could lump in there also, even though it's technically not Bethesda. And then the jump to Fallout 4 and Skyrim kind of have a, a similar arc. I think probably Skyrim pulls it off better than Fallout 4 does. Absolutely. Where, like, yeah. by trying to make it more open-ended for the player to allow them to experience whatever it is they want to experience at any given moment, you lose some of that magic that comes with the, like, if I just railroad myself down one very specific set path that I came up with at the beginning just to see how it plays out, I'll be rewarded for it. Skyrim and Fallout 4 just kind of, like, I don't know. It's just like pouring water on the floor. You know what I mean? Like it's going to go wherever it wants. Kind yeah. of. I think it's also it, it, going. What there. a fucking weird analogy. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I think it works. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's kind of akin to uh, a D and D. Like I think the struggle of a DM yeah. is always right. like, do I want to go in with like this campaign I have in mind? Yeah. But I also need to let the players do whatever they want. Right. Like, where's right. the balance? I think oblivion does a really brilliant thing where the main quest, which we, which we just kind of, said is not good yeah they do a smart thing where even in the main quest your character is not the chosen one yeah you're just the person who's helping the, the chosen, chosen one, one. get yeah. to where they need to be yeah uh, which in this case is i think sean bean right oh yeah it is who's great uh right but yeah don't do the main quest right. uh so <laughs> and and that sounds like a small detail but that really allows for like way more interesting like uh character creation mm-hmm where again, it's you filling the blanks, but I think you and I both really enjoy doing that. Oh, yeah. It's tougher to do in Skyrim because you may not want to be the Dragonborn. That sounds like a very, like, <laughs> weird thing to complain about. Like, yeah. why am I the Dragonborn? Yeah. I don't, you know, it's like, oh, sorry, you're the chosen one who can speak to dragons. But, yeah. like, you know, if you wanted to roleplay as, I've had this experience with Skyrim where I'm like, I just want to be, like, a weird thief. I don't want to have to yell, like, at, at dragons. Uh, at a dragon. And, yeah, I don't yeah. wanna, and like, you can also ignore the main plot and just never have to do and that. And just exist in the world. You're just yeah. you're just another piece of, of this place. Right. But I think what happens in Skyrim is that if you end up doing enough of the quest lines, it's like, who is this character yeah. that is head of the Dark Brotherhood, is the Archmage, yeah. is the Dragonborn, but no one <laughs> seems to know them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in Oblivion, like you are recognized a little bit. Like people will be like, Oh, you're the hero of Kavach. Yeah. Like, oh, like whatever. I'm your um, adoring fan. Yeah. Fallout 3, I think, is actually the best example of being recognized for your actions because uh, Three Dog, the radio host, mm-hmm. will constantly broadcast like either your good deeds or like yeah. your your horrific acts of, of evil. And he's sort of like the moral compass of that game. Like he, yeah. he is broadcasting your actions to everyone. Right. I think that's that was a brilliant idea. And also like fall I mean 
Fall 3 is a very different vibe from Oblivion, but I think you're right in, in lumping them together because they both allow for such range in like role-playing who your character is. Yeah. And New Vegas, I think, even more so because uh, Fall 3, you have the whole beginning with your dad and like you're literally born and like you're, you yeah. know, I think it begins with you being born, like yeah. actually. Whereas New Vegas, I think you get shot in the head by like- And then buried alive. And then buried alive, and then I think that was interesting because I remember someone saying, like in the ads for New Vegas, they're like, "We wanted to begin with your death, yeah, instead of your birth." It's great. Um, that's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. but uh, that game was like you could be, you could have been anyone. Yeah, and that's another thing too. Like the 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 only kind of inciting action to do the main plot is like you need to find who tried to kill you. You may not want to though. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm not saying for all games to do that, but I think for a open, for the kind of game that Bethesda claims they want to be making for, for the Bethesda model where you are given a big open world to explore and do whatever and play as any kind of character. Yeah, I think it's important to play loose with the main plot where right. it's like, okay, we're gonna write a main plot for this, but we're gonna have that fit in with the rest of the world. We talked. This is a weird parallel, but a short hike, I think, is kind of a weird microcosm of this. Where yeah, like, absolutely. You're told right away, this is the hiking trail, but there's so much else to do in that world. Yeah. And it all feels like it's in the same place. Totally. Fallout 4 made the mistake of trying to shoehorn in this story about you trying to find your son. And there are some points of that game where like, you are railroaded into saying something as your character that you may not agree with just to progress the story. Right. Again, it's a nitpicky thing, but it does take away from the magic. Because yeah. I think if you are giving the player freedom to fill in the blanks themselves, yeah. anything you do mechanically that... like goes against what a player might have done themselves is going to ruin the magic. Yeah. And then suddenly that big open world feels real empty real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Fallout 4, I think, it's. I don't think it's a bad game, but I do think that a game feels empty really fast. Yeah. Which is a shame because there is a lot of cool stuff in there. I just think that th- that game kind of has a bit of an identity crisis where like, you know, like for, I always bring this up. I, I'm telling you, Brandon, every single time. Uh <laughs> In Fallout 3 and in New Vegas, if you focus on speech, there's so many variables of what can happen. Yeah. And there's so many perks within having high speech. Like, there, yeah. uh, there's a really sketchy dude in Fallout 3 who was in Megaton, and he wants... Megaton is a town that's built around a deactivated atomic bomb, and he's from Tenpenny Tower, like, all the evil rich people live. <laughs> right. And, and I think his name is... He's was, from like, Shinra. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Dude's in, like, a dusty suit. <laughs> Uh, he like found a suit in the wasteland and is wearing it. And he's like, that bomb isn't deactivated. It just needs a little bit of encouragement. Like, I'll pay you a lot of money to set that bomb off. And that's one of the most evil things you can do in Fallout 3 is like blow up Megaton. Yeah. That's like the like the evil thing to do. Yeah. And that's um, like the one question everybody asks when you tell them that you played Fallout 3. Yeah. Like, what'd you do with Megaton? Um, yeah. There is a speech perk where you can have that dude fall in love with you and he gives up that whole quest and writes you love letters for the rest of the game. No way. Yeah, it's the, it's the like femme fatale uh, like I think it's the Black Widow. Oh my God! Um, where you can like flirt with him, and you have like a probability chance of doing it. But you can flirt with him to the point where he falls in love with you, and he's like, "You know what? You're right. I let's. I'm just gonna get out of here. Like, forget you ever met me." Wow. Uh, and he writes you love letters that you just get throughout the game, which is so funny. That's and, amazing. And they're all like, eventually he stops, but they're all just like kind of pathetic. 
Um, <laughs> and like that's a variable. Yeah, that's one of dozens of variables. In Fallout 4, having high speech makes you ask for more bottle caps. Right. That is literally it. That's the whole thing. I played a lot of that game, and I was like, I was like, there has to be more. Yeah. I kept saying that. I'm like, there, and not, not that, like, I understand how hard it is to write all that. Yeah. And I also understand that, like, Fallout 4 had voice acting, so, like, I was going in with a, with a, um, knowing that it was probably going to be more limited than it had been in the past. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened with, uh, Dragon Age Origins had no voice acting, and, and there were a lot more variables with, like, what actions you could do as a character. Yeah. And there were Mass Effect, where like you know, it's 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 a bit of a more railroaded experience. Even though there's, I mean, hey, don't get me started on Mass Effect. All right, it's another episode. <laughs> if we talk about Mass Effect two today, I would just turn into sludge. Steven, I've been playing another. No, <laughs> <laughs> we already played it. We don't, yeah. we don't need to do that to the dear listener. Yeah, thanks for bearing with us this one. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm like turning into like Team Yell over here. Anyway, mm. so yeah, so like that. That's I think that's what Oblivion is channeling. Is like that creative freedom yeah because uh, i think i think that's so important in an open world it's like, okay i can go anywhere i can do anything but like why what's propelling me forward maybe i can make my own reason and oblivion feels built around the idea that they know the player has an idea and i think that's so cool right and i want to see that i hope that's what like because i think skyrim still did it i think we're nitpicking here and there but i think skyrim was a good balance of like streamlining the experience but still letting you kind of tailor make it for yourself yeah i wouldn't have played the hundreds of hours of skyrim that i played if yeah it, if it didn't allow for some of that same and freedom. like those nitpicks only really show themselves like when you get far in you know yeah um, totally and like once you're like i'm i'm gonna clear the map yeah you know is when it starts to like really show right so i, th- I think i think that's why we're, we're bringing it up the way we are um and i hope that in the future like we were talking a bit earlier off the show about the next elder scrolls like what that could even look like what we want it to look like yeah and like i think that's what they need to do is they need to kind of because i think learning too much from fallout 4 might be counterintuitive because fallout's such a different series than elder scrolls Mm -hmm. i think they look no further than oblivion and be like okay how do we how do we take what we did well in skyrim yeah and give the creative freedom back to who's playing yeah. I think that's the key, because mm-hmm. uh, I think that they lost that in Fallout Four. Yeah, um, even though Fallout Four played great, like, it plays way better than Fallout Three. Oh yeah, in New Vegas. I liked Fallout Four a lot more than Fallout Three, just from a pure gameplay perspective. But yeah. the reason I bounced out of it was because I didn't have the the like better writing and and better role playing stuff that came with Three. And it's and it's a frustrating experience in Fallout Four because there is stuff that feels so enticing. Like there is a quest where you uh, pretend to be a superhero mm-hmm. to help this dude's radio show. Like that's amazing. Yeah. That's that's the stuff that makes Fallout great. There's right. another. Uh, what I actually was really impressed by in Fallout Four were a lot of the companions. Oh yeah, it feels like they like half the team wanted to make a Bioware game. Yeah, because there was like a lot of attention with the companions, like their whole backstories, and like uh, Nick Valentine, like the synth detective, an like, un like awesome character. maybe my favorite story from both yeah, Fallout games. But like one of the things you know, like that happens in those games is like uh, um, my friend Eric. Eric, if you're listening, uh, hello. He had this frustration with that game where he also really liked it in the beginning and then also like really felt compelled for his character to like to like get to know Nick Valentine and like have him be like a romantic option. Yeah. And he just isn't one. Right. Like, you know, again, very specific complaint. I'm not saying to make Nick Valentine a, a, a dateable character, but it's like I am. Hey, uh, I'm saying Bethesda, that. we have <laughs> we have one thing to ask you. Hey Todd. Hey Todd. 
Can you make Nick single? And and not arrest even. <laughs> but I think there are a lot of moments like that in the game where you reach a point you're like, oh, is that it? Yeah. I kept asking them, like, oh, is that it? Yep. And uh, and then you, because, like, the thing that really killed me with Fallout 4 is, like, a lot of the towns you find ask you to build them. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to build. I don't want to make your video I game. <laughs> it's like, I want creative freedom as a character. I don't want to have to make the game interesting yeah uh and like if fallout is known for one thing it's interesting settings i mean yeah. fallout 3 you're right it does kind of get to you after a while the sort of bland palette but like there there's a town in that game that like is under attack by two people who think they're superheroes and supervillains. Mm-hmm. there's the oasis yeah where, uh, the tree who is named bob lives there uh-huh. um there's the town of people who keep going like they act like nothing's wrong they're like oh we'd love to have you for dinner one day and yeah. they're all cannibals you learn Right. Like, that's the charm of Fala. And Four felt like every time you got to a new town, they asked you to go somewhere else to fight raiders. Yeah. Or, or they asked you to build it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah. So it was really interesting to play Oblivion kind of as a bit. Right. And then find so much value in the experience. Yeah. Be- um, because, like, we went into it thinking, like, we talked about it beforehand. We've been talking about it for, like, weeks. You were like, I want to be an Argonian. <laughs> Yeah. And my whole thing was like, I think we should stream the entirety of the Dark Brotherhood quest line because yeah. that's the thing that everybody remembers from Oblivion. Right. That's the, the best that's, faction. Yeah. Quest, it's the thing yeah. that everybody loved. It's the thing that's always talked about with that game. And we made our Argonian, started like piecing together this idea that Lester only fights with his fists, yeah. has a quiver full of flowers. Right. Um, that he leaves on the knocked out opponent. Yeah. Like, yeah. To show yeah. respect. Right. Right. He leaves it as a calling card. And very quickly, as soon as we got out of the prison, and it was like, wow, the world is open. What do we do first it was like lester wouldn't murder someone yeah it didn't feel right lester's not a dark brotherhood assassin he's a gladiator he's a gladiator (laughs) we had been talking about this for weeks like we're gonna do the dark brotherhood we made an argonian almost specifically to do the dark brotherhood yeah yeah but it was like that's not what the character wants not lester at all and and it's it's a thing that i so infrequently have in games yeah where I'm not putting myself in the shoes of the character. Like, I really am role-playing as someone else. Yeah. And, and a thing that you talked about a lot on the stream that I super agree with is, like, Oblivion does so much to capture what makes playing D&D great. Yeah. Um, from all the flavor text to, like, even the way it looks, like, the, the like, kind of old parchment paper vibe of, like, all the menus and the UI and stuff, like, yeah. really adds to it. Um, where it's like, no, 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 you're not playing as you. You're not, you're not filling the shoes with your own biases and stuff like you're creating a different thing yeah um and in this case it was lester yeah you know who and has it's a just, wild vibe and like the we found so much and just being like i'm gonna go we're gonna go in this direction because we like we we kept running into obstacles where we would go to the arena it'd be too hard because we're only fighting with our hands <laughs> and we would leave right, it's like somebody comes at us with an axe and a shield yeah, and we're like you're cheating and we're trying to block the axe with our with yeah. our arms we blocked an arrow with or two fists, poor Lester. Yeah. Um, but he, like, we we were just like, okay, we're going to go in this direction. And, like, so many quests felt so much more meaningful given the context of that decision. Yeah. And, again, like, 
yes, from a design standpoint, it's like, okay, it's not like Breath of the Wild where everything is like so purposeful. Like every design choice is for a reason. Right, right, right. This is a little bit like the map of Oblivion is like they just threw like a bunch of pus at the wall and like moved on. <laughs> yeah. But I think because there's so much openness in how you play and where you go and all that, like it just adds to that kind of D&D experience where yeah. like the value of it is in the spontaneity of the moment. Yeah. And I haven't really experienced that in a game in a long time. Yeah, not to not to keep harping on the comparison with like Skyrim or, or Fallout 4 or whatever. Yeah. But like one of the things that I feel so strongly about with at least our playthrough of Oblivion today and thinking back, like I think my, my playthroughs of Oblivion like back when I was first playing it is like everything that happened we found we had crafted a narrative reason for yeah you know it was like oh my god we found this like tomb full of vampires and like weirdly that was almost like a a, a thematic inverse of what lester was going for. yeah you know what i mean like he he had just recently like been to a chapel and had like seen the nine gods and was like oh wow this is kind of interesting and then went and found this vampire dungeon that was like a strange perversion of the thing he loved you yeah. know and then you go back one step and you're like wait a second what do we mean lester loved the nine gods like that was the thing you and i just decided when we walked in there yeah. you know what i mean and those are the kinds of like wild things that oblivion is kind of throwing at you it's honestly like weirdly <laughs> i'm gonna use the word again minecraftian <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> After such a lovely day, yeah. you pulled that one up. Um, in that, like, you you are solely creating the narrative. Yeah. And Bethesda just gave you a bunch of blocks to put down yeah. on the ground. It's almost like the main story is there if you can't come up with anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, we wrote this, but, you know. Yeah. Um, like, th this idea that you and I came up with where every time Lester goes to the arena and loses, it's him actually having, having a, night a nightmare. <laughs> it's him having a nightmare <laughs> about losing. Right. And he decides, I'm going to go clear my head and walk outside. And finds of, a unicorn. Yeah, walks outside of the Imperial City just to, like, kind of explore the world around him and, like, give back instead of just, like, searching for glory and somehow finds a unicorn and saves it from three minotaurs and, like... And there's so many yeah. moments, too, where, like, we literally talked to a fisherman who was like, you know, you're not going to win every battle. I was like, what is this game? Yeah, yeah, Why is this immediate, so... Immediately after we lost the battle. But I think... I mean, I am now, like, fully unironically, Oblivion's my favorite Elder Scrolls, like, hands down. Yeah, I actually kind of want to go and play Skyrim again now. Yeah, I do, and too. And just see I mean, how I feel about it. I love, I, I remember when Skyrim came out, and I, like, just started playing it, I felt, as as a as a big Oblivion fan, I was like, they fixed everything. They nailed it, yeah. Like, it just, it, like, they did really improve so much. And I do think Skyrim, like, we're, we're talking about, like, if on one side of the spectrum, let's let's put Oblivion here, where like there's the creative freedom, yeah, right, right, and then on the other side you have Fallout Four, where like you're kind of shoehorned into trying to find Sean. <laughs> uh, uh huh. Skyrim is like left of center. Like it's definitely more close to Oblivion. Yeah. Uh, but I think because the game's a little bit easier to progress, or at least it's it's faster. Yeah. If you finish things faster in in Skyrim, totally. It you get to the Alexander Wept for there are no more kingdoms to conquer feeling quicker than you do in oblivion right where oblivion i feel like like you're not really anything in oblivion until like level 10 yeah it takes a while to get there it takes a really long time um and that might be a deal breaker for some people yeah i think for crafting a character it's kind of fun but i've had plenty of great times in skyrim doing that yeah uh, I but want to your point I, I remember the first time i played it i did the dark brotherhood first because I, of course 
Skyrim. You know, yeah, I was like, yeah. I, I need to go to the Dark Brotherhood. It's see. good. Not as good as Oblivion. No, it's but, not. But like, yeah. you didn't know that the first time you played sure. it. You know what I mean? So I was yeah. like, I have to see what they did with the Dark Brotherhood this time around. I was like, okay, that was fine. I finished that, and then I did the Thieves Guild immediately after that. That's but, the best one, I think. I think so too. Yeah. And by the time I was done with that, I had maxed out like pretty much all of my like sneaking and archer and like yeah. and like dagger stuff. And you're unstoppable. Yeah, and I was like an unstoppable force because at that point I can slow down time and like change the, the direction yeah. of my arrow while it's mid-flight. And like there's all this wild shit that you can do. All of your swords are poisoned. Like there was so much stuff. And you have a lock pick that never breaks, you know? Oh yeah. By the time you're done that. with the Thieves yeah, Guild. Yeah. And I was very much in that Alexander Weffer, there were no more kingdoms to conquer mode. Cause I was like, I don't even know what to do in this game. I haven't even started the main story yet, and I'm already an unstoppable god. Yeah. And that's when I went to the Mages Guild and was like, I guess I'll do this. I had yeah. no interest in like trying magic or doing anything like that with this character, but I was like, I guess I will. Yeah. Because I'm already like done with all the stuff I wanted to do. I think with Skyrim, nothing, no quest line in that game was as good as exploring. I, I completely th- agree. Because I think in recent playthroughs, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly, the most fun I've had is like just find like there's so much to like the Dreamer ruins and like that whole underground. Oh my god, yeah. That I don't even feel like I've touched the surface of. Yeah. Like I, I've gone back and played on like the like really hard difficulties like with mm-hmm. that like with a high level character and like it's just so like that world is so well designed yeah. and like visually beautiful still. Yeah. Uh, so What's the underground city? That's what I'm thinking of. I, I forgot what it's called, but yeah. like. There's so much, and like the lore of the world is a little bit more visually there because like you're you're given these visuals and you're like, what is the deal with this? Yeah, I also think Skyrim actually had a lot of really good DLC content. Dragonborn was awesome. Yeah, it really was. So you know, I think I think that's the it's more fun to play Skyrim. Yeah, mechanically, mm-hmm. but there's something really fun about the role playing of Oblivion. Yeah, I never got super into Morrowind. That was a bit before my time. Mm-hmm. Morrowind is is kind of a, a t- tough nut to crack. Yeah, it's, it, we we joked about it in the stream, but like Skyrim begins with a dragon attacking. Yeah, and and desperate escape amidst a civil war. Yeah, and it's pretty fast. Right, and exciting. Yeah, it, t- it takes like fifteen to twenty minutes to get through that. Oblivion is doing a little bit of your natal chart, but you are escaping a prison. Right. Uh, it, with it, the Emperor, who's played Emperor, by Patrick Stewart. Played by Patrick Stewart. You see, get assassinated. In front of your very eyes. Yeah, yeah. Morwen begins with you getting off a boat and going to the DMV. Yeah. And they're like, who are you? And <laughs> yeah. like, you're no one. Right. And then you're given nothing. <laughs> given... I think Morrowind has the best. That has that has a good main plot. Like the main plot of Morrowind is actually really good, mm-hmm. and that world is so cool. Like yeah. weird Lovecraftian swamp. Like the monster design of Morrowind is sick. Yeah, it's just really tough to play that game now. I'm actually really looking forward to if it ever comes out, and I really hope it does. Uh, Skywind, that that mod of Skyrim that just ports the entirety of Morrowind into yeah. the Skyrim engine. That's kind of like uh, the DLC uh, for Skyrim Dragonborn added a little bit of Morrowind to yeah. Skyrim, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, it's actually one of the reasons that I am really interested in downloading Elder Scrolls Online again. Yeah. Because I added Morrowind to it, and, like, I just want to check that out. Yeah, and, like, I... Like, it's it's really ironic because the lore of, of Elder Scrolls is really interesting and really good. Yeah. But it's not really in the games directly. Right. Like, you own... Like, Skyrim kind of came the closest because I think they... Uh, the Daedric quest in Skyrim ruled. Yeah, they were really Those good. Those were really good. Uh, 
the Daedra are like, uh, uh, hello, um, there are two types of gods in Tamriel. Uh, there's the Aedra and the Daedra. Mm-hmm. Um, Aedra, think like ascended, God works in mysterious ways. You never really meet them. Yeah. Uh, and they're seen as good. They're like the holy, kind of the nine divine. Yep. Daedra are like the devil on your shoulder, Greek gods who want you to worship them and will give you like cool shit if you do it. Um, they <laughs> yeah. range from like benign to benevolent to just straight up evil. Yep. Uh, they're not, they're beyond mortal comprehension in that way, so they're not like truly good or evil. Yeah. But like you have some Daedra like Azora, the Daedric prince of dusk and twilight, who are heavily worshipped by dark elves. Uh-huh. What am I doing? Who's seen as the good Daedra. And then you have Molag Ball, who's like, I think called like, uh, his whole vibe is like just being evil. I think he created vampires. Great. Cool. Uh, cool guy. I think his, uh, yeah, he, he's the one uh, in Skyrim. If you go to the abandoned house. Yep. 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 There's yep. a house in Markarth in Skyrim. This guy's like, hey, there's like weird noises coming from this house. Do you want to check it out with me? And then you go inside and his voice is like, kill him. He is weak. You are strong. Yeah. That's Molog Ball. Yeah. That whole <laughs> he, quest line is tight. Yeah, it's yeah, really good. He's very evil. And I actually think the, the story, at least initially, this is back in 2013 when we were writing for our website, but the story of Elder Scrolls Online was that Molog Ball was trying to take over Tamriel. Like three different factions were like fighting against him, basically. Interesting. In Oblivion, it's Oh, what's his name? Dayrune something. Uh, he's the Daedric Prince of Rebellion. Yeah. And technically, Tamriel, which is the world, yeah. exists within Oblivion. Like, the world is in the realm of Oblivion. Yeah. Mayrunes Dagon, Daedric Prince of Rebellion. Okay. So Mayrunes is like, well, I want to take over Tamriel. Yeah. Because it's technically part of my realm. Interesting. So that's why all the Oblivion Gates show up. And, oh, um, okay. Fun fact about Argonians, Argyle Lester, uh, apparently in Elder Scrolls lore, the Argonians, they have this weird thing where they drink Hist syrup. There's a thing called the Hist tree that they kind of worship. Okay. And the Hist syrup gives them like hallucinogenic visions. Uh-huh. And some of the Argonians had visions of the future, literally the nightmares. Oh my God. Not too far off. Weird. Okay. I'm just making this connection now where they foresaw that that was going to happen. Yeah. So the Argonians literally prepared themselves. And when the Oblivion Gate showed up, they went in. They <laughs> they went into hell proactively to fight off the Daedra. Yeah. To the point where Mayrun's Dagon just got rid of all the gates in Black Marsh, where the Argonians are from. That rules. Uh, meanwhile, the volcano goes off in Morrowind, mm-hmm. and then the Argonians take over Morrowind. Oh my god. Because in Morrowind, Argonians were the slaves. Yeah. They were the last province to outlaw slavery. Yeah. So the Argonians like invade hell, win, and then take over Morrowind. That rules. That's why a lot of the Dark Elves moved to Skyrim, and they're kind of in like a rough state because yeah. like the volcano and their homeland just went off and they don't have anywhere to go this is wild this is but all none so of this much. is in the game yeah. like, <laughs> like bits and pieces are but no one's talking about the argonians that went into hell preemptively to and won yeah. no one's talking about it it's the coolest shit ever where's that game extra 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 read all about it argonians invade hell no, we're going to go to fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joffrey at Wayne and Priory. And give him a give big him necklace. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Lizards in hell. <laughs> uh, this shit. is the nerdiest episode we've recorded. Yeah. I never, like, I don't like saying that phrase. Like, I mean, like, I say it, like, with a big heart. But, like, yeah. I have ne- I, I've gushed a lot on this show. Yeah. I have never just, just been 
overflowing with Elder Scrolls fun facts before. Yeah. I feel like I've grown wings. <laughs> Steven, you have. <sighs> Lizards in hell, man. Yeah. Um, no one's talking about it. All that's to say, uh, Oblivion, playing it in 2019... Great game. I think I'm gonna play more of it on Game Pass. On Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, and we—that's I forgot to mention that before. We played it on Game Pass. Yeah, that was that was an important thing. Is that it counts as one of the Into the Past games, which is great. I can't believe it's on Game Pass. Like, what a fucking weird world we live in, where Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion is one of those f- games you get. Someone has our data. That. Yeah, yeah. You said that you're sold on Game Pass now. Not that you're about to like go get an Xbox. No, like, no. I mean, I, you're I into don't, the idea. I don't have an Xbox One. I, I'm thinking about maybe getting a Scarlet eventually because I love the idea of backwards compatibility yeah but even then like i don't know i, I just think I, I need to know more about like how it impacts all parties you know what i mean yeah but i think like just the experience of playing it and and seeing what they have available now is really neat yeah i the idea of streaming games was so foreign to me that i was initially and i'm still like i'm not acting like you know before game pass my life had no direction yeah i didn't know where i was going <laughs> i had nightmares of vision of hell anyway um <laughs> but it plays really well and there's a lot of cool stuff on game pass and yeah. i think like well the main difference that's worth noting is that you're not you're not streaming the games like you are on playstation now you're downloading them to your xbox oh i see and then just like playing like downloaded versions that's awesome which is way better and i just think like i would love to get rid of the paywall and also like us recommending oblivion in 2019 what does that look like yeah. You need to go into like literally a crypt and blow off the dust of your Xbox 360 right. or PS3 and like either pay a dollar for like a weird used copy of Oblivion or yeah. like get a new get a new copy of Oblivion. <laughs> How does uh, one do that? Is it available on Steam? Like maybe so you could download it. On I think Steam. there's something to be said for like I like the idea of Game Pass creating a scenario where it's like, hey, you should check this out. Yeah. And if it's not for you, no big deal. You didn't. We wouldn't have these like awkward things on the show where we're like, hey, we like this. Um, I mean, again, flattering people check something out based on a recommendation, but we're not telling you to spend any money. Yeah. But it would be like less awkward if we're like, you can check this out on a, a service you already have. Right. And if you don't like it, just move on. Yeah. If this was like it. a TV show review podcast and we were talking about a thing that was on Netflix. It would yeah. Be like, oh, no yeah, one's like, I bought Joe Dirt on DVD and I hate it. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> not that I am not recommending Joe Dirt, but I'm just saying like, you don't have a physical <laughs> <laughs> extra, extra. Stephen extra, recommends extra, Joe Dirt. About it. Argonians drink his syrup and foresee Joe Dirt. Don't see it. It's a bomb. <laughs> this sentence exists. Oh my God. I... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, all that to say, game- I feel like I just saw like a new color in my head. <laughs> Saying, <laughs> talking about Argonians drinking a syrup and then foreseeing that Joe Dirt will be a bad movie and not seeing it was the weirdest idea I've ever composed. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about myself. <laughs> But I sure know how to feel about a movie, and I would recommend it. <laughs> this is why we do this in the morning. We lose our minds. Yeah. Oh, shit. I think the, the 3 a.m. cat analogy wasn't too far off. That's true. Yeah. Everything I say is strange. But I, I just saw, like, like a new sound, you know? Like, <laughs> you just saw a new sound? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I just saw yeah, a, new, a new thrill. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it was 
a tremendously fun experience that like yeah i think you could probably even tell if you watch the video of us playing it like we're having fun with it obviously but um like having fun with like the extraneous details but there is a turn where we go from like messing around oblivion to like oh wait we're having fun with this yeah and, like we're honoring the character yeah which i think happened because of how the game is designed and a couple moments even where you and i like stopped and we we're like wow look at how pretty this is yeah so Still. i mean i mean like don't get us wrong. Oblivion looks funky. Like the characters yeah. are a little off and the textures are kind of weird. But the some of the landscapes Everything is wet. <laughs> Everything is wet in that game. Everyone just like came back from an hour jog and then put on new clothes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> not here, not now, not ever. <laughs> yeah. Orbal Gran Orgle. Slash and smash. The big orc weapon shop. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. But, like, there is, uh, just like FF7, there is, like, charm to that. And a lot of the, like, landscapes, and especially the sky, like, that's what we were marveling at. Yeah. Uh, our dude was riding a unicorn and, like, this. <laughs> and, yeah. like, lit we saw, like, what looked like our logo. Like, we saw the Into the Aether. Like, yeah, it looked like the Into the sunset. Aether gradient that we used on everything. <laughs> it was weird how perfect it was. Sorry. <laughs> Riding on a unicorn. <laughs> everything is hitting me. I'm like, everything we've said is hitting me at once. I'm like, what are we talking about? Uh, uh, but I stand by all that. Oblivion's great. Yeah. And it's it was a really valuable experience revisiting it. Um, Absolutely. I think I think maybe we should wrap up. I think so, too. Yeah. This has been a lot. This has been a long episode. Yeah. I mean, literally, I planned on talking about a different game. This yeah, episode? I actually just remembered the other game I was going to talk about. Yeah, but then you threw FF7 at me, and then we had to talk about Oblivion. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. But good news is we got a lot to talk about next week. Yeah, do you want to mention what you're talking about next week? Yeah, I picked up um, Persona Q2 for the 3DS. Kind of on a whim, right? Uh, definitely on a whim, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'll i save it for next time, but I really love Persona 5, mm -hmm. and I've checked out the other... Uh, I've checked out 4 and 3. Yeah. Um, and like, I'll talk about that next week, but I really love five. Yeah. And I, I liked four a lot too. Yeah. Um, I, I liked three, but I had more issues with it. Right. But, uh, a friend of mine who's also like a big fan of a lot of games that I like was playing, uh, Q2 and it's like a weird, it's like a very interesting spinoff of the series. It's not too far off from Gears of War Funko Pop in terms of like mm -hmm. what it is. Cause it's like a... It's the cast of three, four, and five in a dungeon crawler, basically. Right, yeah. So, like, uh, and everything is kind of redesigned to be, like, I guess, like, chibi-style art, um, which is interesting. Uh, it's not, like, it's not usually, like, my uh, preferred style, but, like, if, if they're going for, like, a lighter tone mm -hmm. in that game, which is interesting given, like, what's usually the tone of those games right so I, I i've been i just started playing it i'll talk more about that next week uh, i think it's also the last 3ds game yeah like, you mentioned that I, I don't know if it's like the last one but it's yeah. definitely in the handful of like last 3ds games yeah. coming out um like when shadow of the colossus came out right on ps2 it was like oh my god the ps2 could do this the whole time yeah <laughs> and you're just finding it out now yeah. It definitely doesn't feel like, oh, this is like a new step at all. Yeah. But I wanted, because I love the 3DS, I wanted to get whatever the last thing, it felt like a weird swan song. Yeah, totally. So it's been it's been fun. I, I'm enjoying it. I, I want to play more of it to have more to say about it. Yeah. 
but that's what I was going to talk about today. I'm actually kind of glad we're going to wait because I want to give that more time. Yeah. Um, I'm in a similar boat. The thing that I was going to talk about was No Man's Sky Beyond, mm -hmm. which is the new huge free update to No Man's Sky. They're actually calling this No Man's Sky 2.0, which is interesting because I think that's I thought that's what they called last year's huge update, but I guess that was like 1.5 or something. Yeah. But this update is really massive. Adds like an MMO-esque style multiplayer thing that's going on wow. uh, there's like a destiny tower that's like uh, a teleporting space station that's like death star adjacent not evil like a like a like a nice death star <laughs> um yeah where uh you go there and it's just like tons and tons of other people playing the game all together and it's like instanced uh and you can summon it wherever you are so you can like it kind of exists in multiple points in space. It's like a quantum space station that you can just go to and hang out at, which is awesome. Um, and there's a bunch of like wild shit in that. Uh, but the reason that I want to hold off on talking about it until next week is because I haven't played the VR mode yet. Oh, wow. and they added VR support, including PSVR, which I have. Uh, and the reason I haven't played it is because this microphone is currently resting on top of the box that has my PSVR headset in it. <laughs> so there I'd have to go. open it up and set it up so I can play it. Um, yeah. But yeah, really excited to check that out and talk about it next week, um, which feels weirdly like on point considering I think it's been almost an exact year since we talked about No Man's Sky mm, last yeah. time. Wow, you're right. So yeah. that'll be cool. Wow. And I probably talked about how much I wished it was in VR. <laughs> probably, So yeah. now it is. We'll see how it works. Yeah, I was dreaming about Oblivion. I yeah. Like one day I'll come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's well, on the horizon for next week. Uh, Persona Q2, No Man's Sky update. Yeah. Some other stuff too. I mean, I I, uh, I went on a whim with that because we were looking at what was coming out the rest of the year and I wanted to see more games that came out this year. Basically. Yeah, totally. And I heard my 3DS crying, much like the guy who had one gill in his drawer. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, the Switch is getting all the attention. Yeah. So 3DS, hot take, it's great. It's a good game console. Everyone I know sold theirs. Uh, I like, still have mine. Everyone except for you <laughs> sold their 3DS, which yeah. breaks my heart a little bit, but I also understand. If you yeah. don't play something, might as well sell it. You know? Yeah, set it free. Oh, okay, it just started raining really hard, and it's loud. So we should probably sign off. Yeah, um, but as always, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to everyone who donates to our Patreon once again. Yeah, you can find that at patreon.com slash into the cast. Speaking of which, we're going to give uh, your contractually obligated shout out. Thank you to Spencer, Scout, Philip, Min, Melly Muffin Pie, Marcel, Kyle, Kimberly, Cameron, Jeff, Ines, Hilton, Christopher, Brett, Bolt, Benjamin, Andrew, and Akira. Yes. Thank you all so much. You're the best. Uh, and thank you to everyone who listens and who shares the show. Uh, Brent and I were just talking about today how we don't know how to handle this. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's it's super flattering. I, I, I feel like I just never wanted to sound disingenuous because we say it every week, Yeah, and we always just mean it, and it, it's, uh, it's great. It's extremely cool. Um, yeah, thank you so much uh, to all of you. Uh, if you want to back the show uh, on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash intothecast. Um, that's pretty much our handle everywhere. It's on Twitch. It's on Twitter. Uh, YouTube is the only one that doesn't have a URL yet. I think we need more subscribers, or I forget what the deal is yeah. with that, but you can find the link in the show notes uh, to get to our YouTube Google channel. Google Oblivion lore, and we'll show up soon. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you want to say before we go? No, that's it. It's raining pretty hard. I yeah. think uh, the the gods have heard our talk. The nine divines are upset with us. The, I think the I think maybe Molag any Ball of the Daedra. <laughs> I think all the Daedra are upset with us. Yeah. Yeah, thank you as always. Uh, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Goodbye. Talk to you soon. Goodbye. See ya.
WWG, the worst garbage dot online.